I'd like to welcome my listeners to the Truth Sayer Report, hosted by Jeffrey Hawkins. The global mission of the podcast, the Truth Sayer Report, is to explore and examine historical events and how they shape current events and, most importantly, our lives. The Truth Sayer Report, Episode 10, What Damaged the American Black Family, Not Welfare? For decades, the question asked, what damaged or devastated the American black family. The common answer or belief always stated by authors, scholars, various political leaders, it is the social welfare system. The government programs providing various types of aid to citizens who fail below the poverty line, which include welfare checks, government housing, and or housing vouchers, food stamps, etc., was always stated as the culprit. The spoken narrative or point of reference of the conspiracy-driven propaganda is that the United States government's mission through the development and use of the social welfare system was to make black people dependent on government aid. The secret mission would make the black populace weak and controllable. The system of basic guaranteed financial and living subsidies would drive the black man from their family and leave black women and children exposed to the indoctrination of government dependency. Moreover, the state would keep the black populace in check because black women would be too weak to manage and lead their families. This is the message of social and economic pundits, television and radio talking heads, along with politicians at all levels of government, have spewed for over the last 55 years. Sadly, the majority of the American population have accepted this message as truth. Washington, as well as Hollywood, knows how to tell a great story. You need a hero, but you also need a villain. American history dictated that the black population was the American villain, which explains why the story was so easy to sell, excuse me, I mean tell. We move to the economic realities of the 1960s. Unfortunately, there were millions, moreover accurately, Tens of millions of American citizens living below the poverty line. The suffering was nationwide and not represented by any one category or race, but universal poverty. The citizens were lobbying the elected officials for help. The Appalachian region, a.k.a. Cold Country, was known as a bastion of the mountain poor who suffered from abject poverty. The South, the rural South, was known as the poorest region in the country. The Southwest, including Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, had large pockets of indigenous people trapped on reservations who represented historical poverty. Of course, the plight of the black citizens who were victims of systematic, institutionalized economic, civil, and social segregation and Jim Crow were represented by 35% living at or below the poverty line. Throughout the nation, some of its citizens were battling hunger, starvation, malnutrition, substandard housing, limited access to clean water, poor education, and job training opportunities. Again, many of the nation's mayors, governors, nationally elected representatives were clamoring the president for help. Dr. King, the leader of the civil rights movement, also sought to counsel with President Lyndon B. Johnson. In the mid-1960s, he embarked on a new initiative 
the Poor People's Campaign. He outlined his desire for a new social welfare program in the spirit of President Roosevelt's New Deal. He called for a universal guaranteed basic income, universal health care, housing, more money for better schools, free lunch, job training. The president was receptive, and in 1964, President Johnson pushes for federal legislation that created the social welfare system with the slogan, The War on Poverty. The social welfare system, a.k.a. the Great Society, as we know today, was born. Its programs included welfare benefits in the form of monthly checks to help meet basic needs, food stamps, the massive construction of public housing complexes, rent subsidies, Medicaid, Head Start, Job Corps, etc. During the first five years, the social welfare system was successful in meeting the purposes of its missions. Millions of Americans were lifted from hunger, starvation, malnutrition, as well as provided basic standard housing, which included greater access to clean running water and heat. As the citizens were beneficiaries of the New Deal programs during and after the Great Depression era, so were the American poor in the Great Society. The perception of the Great Society changed in the early 1970s, and its successes became losses known as the welfare state. President Richard M. Nixon, a.k.a. Tricky Dick, began campaigning for his re-election, and he had not managed to keep a campaign promise with his win in the 1968 presidential election, which was ending the Vietnam War. The nation was being ripped apart by the war. The war was very unpopular for numerous reasons. The hippies, the anti-war belief, the civil rights movement, the fear of the Black Panthers, the strong anti-war and draft sentiment, and the fact that the war did not appear to be winnable. President Nixon needed to become a hero and produce a villain for his story to lead him to re-election. He found it by vilifying black women in the social welfare system. Black people had long been the target of retribution and the whipping boy for the white population. He focused America's attention to the welfare state and how it was sucking up their hard-earned money through taxation in order to afford an easy and unearned lifestyle by lazy, uninspired, money-grubbing parasites, black women with multiple children driving Cadillacs. His message resonated with his targeted group and sold like hotcakes. He was fully aware that the black population was not the overwhelming majority of welfare recipients, but his campaign to deflect attention away from the Vietnam War and its horrors proved to be just what the doctor ordered. He easily wins the 1972 presidential election in the quagmire of the Vietnam disaster. Furthermore, he doubles down on his messages and coins the phrase, welfare queen, which black women have not been able to shake to this day. In the 1980s, President Ronald Reagan would use the same messaging to vilify black women and continue the false narrative that black people were the majority of welfare recipients. Here are the welfare recipient statistics by percentage up to the year 2019. White, 39.8. Black, 25.1. Hispanic, 18.2. 
Asian 3.0, Indigenous people 1.0, and 12.9% are unclassified by race or choose not to identify by race. Unfortunately, the masses have been led to believe a narrative that ensures supremacy and a scapegoat. Even to the present, one particular political party have used the message to procure political election victories at the federal, state, and local levels. Now, the sad and unfortunate reasons for the major demise of the American black family. It began with the Vietnam War. In 1965, the military draft with its targeted groups of males between the ages of 18 to 26 selected the strongest, which coincided with the marrying age. Over 2 million American troops participated in the war. 58,332 American soldiers died, including 7,300 black draftees. Horribly, there were over 300,000 reported physical injuries. In addition, from 1965 to 1969, black troops represented 11% of the American forces, but they accounted for 20% of the casualties. More importantly, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, had not been identified and or diagnosed, which later would be recognized as the leading cause for former combat personnel's inability to reacclimate and function in society. Its psychological damage would be the underlying reason for the massive number of military suicides. It was discovered by numerous media and news organizations that the American government engaged in congressionally banned and illegal military actions in Cambodia and Laos. Their means to fund these efforts were to flood the nation with heroin, particularly aimed at the inner city poor. Heroin's effects devastated American big cities. The nation's highest crime levels in its history were from 1968 to 1978. The decade of the 70s was known as the heroin years. Black communities were especially hard hit with mass addiction, crime, and incarceration. The Vietnam War and heroin eliminated tens of thousands of black males as prospects for marriage and family. Also in the 1970s, the women's rights movement went into full force as women fought for their rightful place as full and equal citizens. Their victories and acceptance in the nation's ever-evolving psyche led to greater access to skilled labor jobs once reserved for males, as well as higher education, professional occupations, management, and business ownership. With the evolution of women's ascent into their personal and professional development, these efforts allowed women to make greater choices. Sometimes those choices were non-acceptance of less productive males. We moved to the 1980s when a new movie plays, but with the same plot. The American government rehashes an old scheme. In Central America, the communist-backed Sandinistas are at war with the American-sympathized Contras. Again, Congress has banned any military funding for the Contras. Secretly, the American government's agenda was to import cocaine and flood the country with even worse devastation than its predecessor, heroin. The next generation of black males were addicted, crime ravaged, and incarcerated. However, this time incarceration meant profit with the proliferation 
with for-profit prisons as an improvement on the 1970s mantra, the war on drugs. The true causes of damage to the American black family are as follows. The Vietnam War, heroin, cocaine, mass incarceration, and maybe not fairly concluded, the strength and independence of black women. The damage and devastation to the American black family was not the social welfare system, actually quite the opposite. Dr. King stated to President Lyndon B. Johnson, for its implementation and service to the needy, we will need workers. The social welfare system led to the explosion of black employment in all aspects of government service. Prior to its existence, black people had three avenues, the military, post office, or school teaching. Dr. King understood that the system would open the door to a better standard of living for the black middle class, as well as improve the lives of the poor. From 1966 to 1986, the black middle class population tripled. There have been two generations of black government employees who have retired and received monthly pensions. Interestingly, in the mid-1960s in Atlanta, the first black designed housing subdivision was built in the United States. Its name was Collier Heights and it still thrives. Surprisingly, when Richard Nixon was courting James Brown's endorsement for the 1972 election, he toured the Atlanta neighborhood and stated, I had no idea that black people lived like this. Contrary to popular belief, the American social welfare system has successfully met the purposes of its mission. Its success is similar to the social security retirement system are such that both have been duplicated throughout Western Europe and Japan. Well, in the final analysis, the American black family has taken a licking, but keeps on ticking. Thank you for listening to the True Say Report. What damaged the American black family, not welfare? Hosted by Jeffrey Hawkins. I like to end my podcast with a quote from the Russian leader, Joseph Stalin. The masses, the masses. Oh, what jackasses. Speak to you soon.